Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I do think that there is something at the heart of immigrants that's different from people who live where they were born. And that if you don't have a very inherent sense of adventure or a very inherent sense of restlessness or a very inherent belief that you can change your circumstance, you would never migrate, whether it is immigration by mm -hmm. choice, whether it is refugee Im immigration, whether it is running away from something or running towards something. You just at the heart of it have to be a person who believes that there is betterment and who believes that there is more to life. And that comes with an inherent sense of adventure. Welcome to the True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week, we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now, here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora. Welcome back to The True Fiction Project. I am your host, Renita Hora, and I am thrilled to introduce my guest today. I am speaking to Sonali Dev. She is an author of several romance novels in the style of Bollywood stories. I'm talking to her about her latest novel. It is called The Vibrant Years. And amongst various other things, what's particularly exciting about this book is that the characters come from Mumbai, like me and many of my listeners out there. <laughs> A little bit of uh, all about me, you know, to start this show. But also, this particular book has been chosen to be the very first release for Mindy Kaling's book studio on Amazon Books. So without further ado, let me welcome Sonali Dev. Hi, Sonali. Hi, Renita. It is wonderful to meet you. And I am so excited to be here. And this is from one Mumbai girl to another. Yes, nothing wrong with Mumbai girls. We love those. <laughs> oh my gosh, everything's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um, the True Fiction Project really is about the exploration of the journey from nonfiction to fiction. And I have read your wonderful book, which really focuses on the character arcs of three really feisty, strong, independent women. Definitely the kind of woman we see coming out of Mumbai and Goa, you know, where the characters are from. And then also, I guess, Silicon Valley in Florida. But I have to ask you right off the bat, what did you mean by the vibrant years? When I started reading, I thought it was more about Bindu's years, Bindu being the grandmom, and I'm going to let you explain the characters. But as I read into the novel, the title, The Vibrant Years, seemed to apply to more than just Bindu. So tell me. 
So first, that's interesting as an observation to kick us off, because that was a very difficult title to come up with. That was, I think, our fourth or fifth title. I had a completely different working title. And then we titled it something else before this. And then you know, had to go through, every time we talked about the book, we were like, what was the title again? Which was not a good sign. And so we realized that is not a good title. And the reason I'm saying all of this is that it was a particularly hard book to title because it runs the gamut, right? There's themes of the female journey, right? I think of this book as everything I've ever wanted to say about being a woman, So from that point to what it really means for us to take all the choices we now have and to live life on our terms when we now can, and that whole historical journey of women through generations is what it was about. But it's also, you know, laugh out loud funny. It's the absurdity of the modern dating scene. So it was so all over the place in terms of theme that it was really, um, we went from the completely off-the-wall rom com titles to the really serious literary ones and nothing would fit. And then I think we were on our last call between my agent, my editor, and myself. We were like, okay, we can't change the title again. So this time we have to get it right. And we were brainstorming the heck out of this thing. And I remember saying, well, you know, I think it's the name of the Shady Palms, which is the posh retirement community that Bindu goes to live in, I felt like, and the the byline for the community is luxurious living for your vibrant years. And I said, there's something in there. And as soon as I said that, that aha moment happened and we were like, boom, you know? So it is a very vibrant book. If I were to, Mm. you know, come up with one word to describe it, I think that's what it would, it is to me. And so Obviously, that word really resonated. It is intergenerational, has events that happened in the 60s, and how that has now, you know, trickled down the domino effect of that all the way to the current day. So the years was, again, an important word. So that title just, it's one of those magical things, right? It was just this boom moment, and it just fit. Beautiful. I love it. And The book is very vibrant indeed. The storyline and the individual stories that make up the entire storyline, the characters. You mentioned something very important and very specific. You said, you know, we can now make the choices as women that we couldn't perhaps before. Tell us a little bit more what you mean by that, how things have changed, and if women are absolutely free to make these choices, why did you write this book? for, about, of, and with relation to these women. (laughs) Yeah, we're told, right, that we can make choices now. And yet, having said that, for me, the seed for this story really came from two things. One was when I look at my grandmother and my mom, and I'm incredibly close to my mother, and both my grandmothers were a huge influence in my life. And we'll go back and hopefully talk about that a little bit later. But I think when I think about my life, and even more than my life, I have a 21-year-old daughter. And when I think about the choices she makes every day, and the things she is allowed to be without even weighing it or questioning it or feeling a moment's pause, when I compare that 
with the choices my grandmother had. One of my grandmothers was a doctor. She went to medical school in colonial India. And so this was right there, an unconventional grandmother. She was almost a pioneering woman of her time. And yet, when I think of her life in terms of day-to-day choices, especially when it related to relationships and family, and what my daughter now has available, just looking at those two things, it's the gamut of the distance women have traveled over just Mm -hmm. these three generations. And really, that was one of the seeds for the story, because I couldn't then stop thinking about what these women would have done with their lives had they had the same choices, the same lack of boundaries that we now have, and even more than us, our daughters now have, and how every one of those generations has taken these giant leaps. And having said that, does that really make life easier? Or what has that really done for us? And how much are we using it? And how much are we still carrying baggage, generational baggage? You know, that's the kind of conditioning that our mothers, even without meaning to, have handed down to us. And so that was kind of what this was about for me. And then the other piece of it is just the modern dating scene. When you think Mm -hmm. about how my daughter chooses, how a 21-year-old chooses whom to go out with, how to plan her life around relationships or not to. And when I compare that with how I did it, how my mother did it, and how my grandmother did it, right there is such a difference in choice, right? And how we were allowed to make that choice, how much of it was a choice, how much of it was conditioning. So I feel like the modern dating scene is this really ironic kind of allegory for women's growth through the ages. And yet it has, again, complicated so much and simplified nothing. And yet it is true choice when compared to what was happening before. So those were the seeds for me personally. That was what I wanted to really dive into with this story. Fantastic. You know, what's interesting, Sonali, is I have a book that just came out a month ago. It's called Operation Mom, My Plan to Get My Mother a Life and a Man. And it also focuses on women from Mumbai and a 17-year-old girl who's actually setting up her single mother. So there's a lot of themes that I found resonated. Tonally, it's very different. I've got a comedy, you know, this is more literary, but there was a lot that I identified with just having sort of written and published that book. And I always joke with my own daughter, who's 24, that uh, there's this entire modern dating world out there that I completely missed. And she's like, mom, just, you know, TMI, don't go there. (laughs) I'm the same way. But when I think about it, it's like, did we really miss anything? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, uh, let's just say I appreciate Kali's tapping into her mom and her grandmother to say, hey, Guys, I need guinea pigs, so please use my app. (laughs) I have to ask, when you talk about the lack of boundaries, things being easier for, or so-called, right, for these current generations, and the generational baggage that is carried down, how much of this comes from a place of the characters in your story being immigrants, or at least mom and grandma, yeah, being immigrants? Whereas the daughter, Kali, is a first-generation American. Would it be different if these characters had stayed in India? 
That is a fabulous question because thematically another thing happening in this book I think is exploration of an insider and an outsider. Mm-hmm. And I think that again is kind of a reflection of women and choice, right? When something is new to you and you haven't fully owned it yet because it's new. I have this take on immigration. And that is, so I'm one of two siblings. My brother lives in India and we were both born there. And I do think that there is something at the heart of immigrants that's different from people who live where they were born. And if you don't have a very inherent sense of adventure or a very inherent sense of restlessness, or a very inherent belief that you can change your circumstance, you would never migrate, whether it is immigration by Mm -hmm. choice, whether it is refugee immigration, whether it is running away from something or running towards something. You just, at the heart of it, have to be a person who believes that there is betterment and who believes that there is more to life. And that comes with an inherent sense of adventure even if mm-hmm. it is coming you know, from tragedy. So by definition, I feel like immigrants are made of something different. And I think that that has a lot to do with why America is so unique in terms of innovation and things like that, because that's the very basis of how a part of the basis of where this country comes from. And I think that that is one piece of it. And then the other piece of it is that When we migrate, we migrate on this idea of adventure. And in some ways, we're short-sighted because we don't take, you know, I came here when I was 23 and I was filled with sense of adventure. I wasn't running from anything. I was running toward a kind of independence, which living in my very privileged bubble in Mumbai, (laughs) I might never have had which surprises people because the immigrant story is always supposed to be filled with angst. But this was filled with a sense of, you know, wanting to stand on my own without all the support I had back Mm -hmm. in India. So having Mm -hmm. said that, what we don't envision or we don't think about that is going to happen is all the stuff that happens as we have children, we raise them, that actual act of making a new home your home, of going from being an outsider to an insider, right, of Mm -hmm. growing roots. And so a lot of this book also has to do with that sense of looking in from the outside, having your nose pressed up against a glass, right, which is the reason that Bindu chooses to move into this retirement community as soon as she has the opportunity to, because she is struck by this sense of everything she's missed, which leads in I think, to what I wanted to say about being a woman, about how much we're conditioned to believe things and how much we're told about what not to do. So I think all have this giant sense of FOMO from all the things we missed when we were young because we were told so many things would be harmful for us. So it's this whole, I think, the immigrant journey and Bindu's journey of actually now doing things, which brings us back to this whole choice thing, Just because you have a choice doesn't mean it's easy. You know, when we talk about young people and the dating scene, they don't have any of the 
conditioning that we had, you know, all the do's, the don'ts, the taboos, the aspirations, but that doesn't mean they don't have them at all. They're just different. And their struggle is just different. And it's been complicated by technology. And yet, here is choice, and we don't want to give that up for anything. So I think it's this very interesting thing to play with. So well said, Sonali, and so many things resonate because I completely identify with where you are coming from in that our kids have these choices. Our kids have the ability to do things. We don't even second guess or question. If anything, we're questioning ourselves. I started out life as a mother who thought, all right, my daughter will do A, B, C and not do E, F, and G. That thinking has totally changed. (laughs) Technology or circumstances, whatever it is. So when I look especially at Bindu and Kali, and of course, Ali or Alicia in between is in some ways caught between those generations, but, you know, has struggles of her own. But Kali has every opportunity, everything available to her, her mother, her grandmother, they don't question things like what she can do, what she will do. Did she drop out of school to create this app or not, which perhaps is part of the story, sexual freedom and so on and so forth, because these elders that she has, her mom and grandmother, have their own journeys with similar or shades of similarity. Their struggle is different, but there is shades of similarity. When I think about Bindu, she in many ways cannot escape this whatever happened in her past, right? She was in this movie. It sounds like an art movie. There was this racy sex scene. She was nude. There were all these taboos, taboos you mentioned, right? Now, when we think of Bollywood, we think of commercial sort of out there, sort of, I was looking at a poster of The Wild Lotus, which is (laughs) on TV these days. And the commercial looked to me like a Bollywood poster from the 80s or the 70s, something like that. You know, so big gangster love scenes, dancing. But Purnima, which is the film that you mention, and no spoilers, but the story about this is revealed throughout your book, seems like an art story. And there is shame attached to the idea of it. We see that with the characters that Bindu is related to, but there is also love and art and truth. Tell me a little bit more about that, whether this was inspired by some kind of truth somewhere along the way or what. Now, I'm assuming we are, you know, we grew up in Mumbai at approximately the same time. I I think so. (laughs) I'm sure you remember this, but there was a thing in Hindi movies that I remember striking me very early on. And that was that there was very specific roles assigned to heroines. There was the, you know, these two very distinct tropes, that of the heroine, and they had this thing called the vamp. And so, and and never the twain shall meet, right? So the heroine had to be the good girl. It was reflected in clothing choices, in fact, you know, how she made eye contact, And all of this, of course, also was very male gaze based. So even her modest dressing was always to titillate the male gaze. Even her shyness was catering to what made men feel powerful. But having said all of that, she was society's good girl. She was the one you took home to your mother, right? 
And mm-hmm. then there was the vamp who was always dressed in these cabaret clothes, who had a glass of whiskey in one hand and a cigarette in the other. <laughs> and, and she made this direct eye contact with men. And she was this complete plaything. So here you had this entire womanhood defined into these two boxes, both of which catered to how men wanted to see women. And we were told very clearly that the two had to stay separate. And it wasn't really until, I think, very recently that that started to kind of tumble into each other. And, you know, now we find ourselves in a whole different cinema. But going back to that, you know, vamp and heroin trope thing, that was the place I think a lot of this book came from. Because I Mm. remember looking at it and thinking, but the women I'm seeing in my life, and not overtly so, but you know, my mom could have a drink. My mom had very strong opinions. My mom wore Western clothes. And my mom had very, very high, I I hate to use the word today, but moral standards, right? So it wasn't, she was absolutely the woman you could take back to your mom. And she was a great mom, a great wife, all that. But she was also fun. And she was all those things. And those two were never shown as one on screen. And I kind of very early on started to identify these lies we were being told constantly, right? And it struck me. But then the other piece of this was, what about these women who played the vamps, right? Like Nadiras and the Helens and the Bindus. Mm. They played these women. And how powerful did you have to be back then, right? To say that I am going to play a woman who enjoys being all these things, right? And it didn't matter that everybody looked at you with disgust because Mm -hmm. they knew, right, that it was, they played these women from the heart. And I thought there was something incredibly brave about that. And I always thought about what these women might be in real life. And I remember reading an interview, and this was probably Nadira, but I mean, you know, don't quote me on that. And she had said that she came to Bollywood to be a heroine. But she got offered this role, and without thinking about it, she did it. And once she did it, the role of the woman who dances in a bar and, you know, (laughs) drinks and smokes and wears (laughs) Western clothes, as soon as she had done that, she did really well in it, but she got, again, quote-unquote, typecast. And, Mm. And she talks in this interview about how you could not make that leap. You could not, once the audience had seen you as an X thing, you could not make that crossover. And here is a society and a time that we're talking about when there are such absolutes in the way that women were seen. And that's certainly where Bindu came from, is the fact that this is a girl who actually has, likes herself, who enjoys herself, her body, she owns herself, and it's beaten out of her by circumstance. And she's shamed for it. And she internalizes it, but not fully. And so I think that that is a very universal story of a lot of women of the time. I think it continues to this day that we are told to be certain things that are at odds with who we are, and then we're shamed for it. And so I think we're making a journey away from it. But I think for the women of that time, and even our generation, there's a lot that we have to unpack when we start unpacking. I love it. I'm very familiar with 
Helen and Nadira and Bindu and love the idea that Bindu or Bhanu, Bhanu Bindu is inspired by Bindu. <laughs> I mean, she's possibly. inspired by a, a, a whole bunch of them. <laughs> a whole but... bunch of them. Yeah, that's wonderful. So further digging into the true life inspiration for your story, you had begun to talk about your own grandma or grandmas and your mom would love to hear more about that. My grandmothers were both, as I said, one of them was a medical doctor. So she practiced, you know, and my grandfather was too. They met in med school and had this grand love story at the time and eloped and all of that. But she lived her entire life in the shadow of my grandfather. And I have no proof for this, but I really don't know who was a better doctor. But I have no doubt in my mind that she was at least as good as him. And yet every decision of where they would work, where they would practice was his to make. I think her entire career, she was always correcting people about the fact that she was a doctor and not a nurse. So she had this very unique experience and she took a lot of it as just norm, right? And yet I never got a chance to really talk to her about what that truly felt like. She's gone now and I'll never be able to find out. But she was a very unique person in that she had really progressive thoughts about almost everything. And yet her thoughts about raising her own four daughters was to get them married off, right? Because she mm. didn't want to want them to deal with what it took to be a professional <laughs> in a world of men. And so there was all of this really interesting kind of dynamic going on, even between my mother and my grandmother. And my other grandmother was also, I mean, she had a, you know, she was college educated and all of that. And my love of reading came from her because she was obsessed with books. And every afternoon she read to me, she also instilled the love of romance in me because Jane Eyre was her favorite book. And I think she was a little bit in love with Mr. Rochester her whole life. <laughs> but my point is both my grandmothers talked to me without ever setting aside anything I couldn't say. So from a very young age, they never brought taboos into our dynamic, into our relationship. And my mom was exactly like that. And I think that, again, that's a very universal experience. I talked to a lot of women and it's amazing how smart and savvy their mothers and grandmothers were, how good they were at subverting the culture and the expectations, because we wouldn't be who we are if they hadn't done that. And they were mm. all over the place trying to give us opportunities they didn't have. And then we have, I'm assuming, we all have raised our daughters with this express intention that they will not have any of the things that held us back, right? That's a really powerful thing when you think about generationally what women gave each other and how much we stand on their shoulders. And often stories get told about the holding back, right? This is, I think, why it was so important for me to have Bindu and Ali be mother-in-law, daughter-in-law instead of mother and daughter, mm -hmm. because that's mm -hmm. another lie that I think society has propagated over time, which is that this is an adversarial relationship and that's all it can ever be you know, without mm. taking into consideration the fact that the domestic realm and the kitchen and the house was the only place where women got to perform, got to be recognized. So you literally put them in battlefields. You graded them based on that. The only power they had was that. 
and then you kind of told the sold them this story that oh you fight each other oh you pull each other down which is what men were doing in their workplaces and on battlefields anyway but that was considered heroic because that was their battleground and then the battleground we were given was the home and again we were shamed for it so i think a lot of this for me feels like lies i was told that i want to rewrite into a narrative that feels real to me now my mother-in-law is as different a woman from me as you could imagine right my mother and my mother-in-law are two incredibly strong women but you cannot imagine them in the same room you know when you think about tropes or archetypes in if we're talking mm-hmm. in terms of fiction they're completely different my mother is her dressing her talking her cooking all of that is very international she's traveled from a very young age you know she's very very comfortable speaking up in a room full of men and she's really badass in that way and my mother-in-law is somebody who has only ever worn a sari even to go to bed mm-hmm. who had a very traditional marriage raised her children in very traditional ways identifies as very traditional and yet her thoughts are incredibly progressive because you can talk to her about things and i as a daughter-in-law being so different from her the only thing that she has ever given me is complete acceptance and encouragement and this is knowing she had none of the choices and opportunities and respect that i get knowing all of that maybe not in words but every one of her actions and her words actually all they do is tell me we didn't have this you do and now you better make the best of it you know <laughs> so there's that level of support yes. without there being any reason for there to be so this is the kind of thing in real life this is not aspirational this is actually i see it everywhere now do i see really nasty relationships but sure there's you know we are human and to make that the realm of women and to make relationship strife into something to make fun of women for i find laughable because this is as much a reality as that is and i think it's a very powerful thing fantastic fantastic so i have to ask before we go into your reading us an excerpt mindy kaling selected this book to be the first book released under her imprint Tell us about that. Tell us how that came about, and tell us why she selected this book. Of course, we should be asking her, but we don't have her, so we're going to ask you. <laughs> all right. So it falls on me then. <laughs> it does. Uh, in all honesty, it's a matter of work meeting opportunity, right? From my perspective, that's what it is. Now, Mindy has, for the past more than two decades now, been at it, right? She, I feel. is someone who has changed the scene and the reality for diverse storytellers and we hear a lot about her now but she's been doing this for a while and as a writer i have always admired her writing and i don't say it just because <laughs> i'm supposed to say it now but i've actually watched scenes from whether it's the office or the mindy project or sex life of college girls or late night where i've analyzed how she's able to take humor that is so uncomfortable and base it in real emotion and real vulnerability right so that was a thing that i've always aspired to and especially with this book even when i sat down to write it i knew that i wanted it to be 
where I'm hitting the pathos and the tragedy, but also the complete absurdly funny parts of life, right? And I wanted to run that gamut. And that's something we see in Mindy's writing also. So when I wrote this book, I had absolutely no idea that Mindy was even going into publishing or any of that. I wrote the book and it just so happens that this was the time that she was out there taking another step along this giving voice to diverse creators journey that she's been doing. And that kind of was such a natural fit. And it was completely a magical moment uh, in the universe. Neither one of us knew about the other when we were starting out on this journey. So it's best case scenario. If somebody had asked me what would be for the, what would you really want for this book? This was absolutely what I wanted for this book. So I'm really glad it happened. But it was a matter of me writing my story and her looking for stories that resonated with her. I think based on the themes we've talked about, maybe the three women trying to convince each other to date. And here's Sonali Dev reading an excerpt from her book, The Vibrant Years. I am most certainly not looking for love, Alicia said, as though her dearest wish was to undo the time she had been in love. Before we go on, I need you both to be very clear on that. I'm only doing this to help Kali get something to Nuriel. Breathe, mom. It won't kill you to believe in a little magic. Those were the most uncharacteristic words that had ever come out of her granddaughter. Had she just used the word magic? Kali noticed the shock on Bindu's face. It's not like we're asking you to skydive out of a plane, she added, throwing in a little more of her usual prickliness. Did she think Bindu was that easy to fool? Alicia studied the roses as though something about them had turned suddenly disturbing. Honestly, it feels like you are. It's dating, Alicia! Bindu snapped, mood cartwheeling again. How can you compare it to jumping out of a plane? It's just being able to go out and enjoy someone's company and maybe find someone who makes you feel seen. And you have limitless choice. She spun around, such annoyance burning in her that Alicia stepped back from the ferocity of it. Before Alicia could respond, Bindu held up her phone. On here, in your hand. You can scroll through your choices, filter, filter by things that make you happy. And you can do it without having to hide it from anyone. And you're acting as though all of this is a curse? I never said it was a curse, Alicia said gently, obviously seeing right through to the storm that had suddenly sprung to full violent force inside Bindu. But if it's a choice then I should be able to choose not wanting it. Bindu blinked and dropped into the couch, winded by the outburst. Ma, you okay? Filling a glass with water, Alicia came to her. You don't have to do this so soon after what happened with Richard. Bindu blinked again, and some of that trance-like anger inside her cleared. Richard? You think this is about Richard? This isn't about Richard. 
This is about the fact that someone like Richard can exist. Cully spurted a laugh, except Richard doesn't. Cully! Both Alicia and Bindu snapped. Stop it, both of you. Bindu glared at Cully. At your age, if I so much as looked sideways at a man, I wasn't married to, they called me a prostitute. Then she turned to Alicia. And at your age, I was widowed and expected to spend the rest of my life in the demure memory of my husband. Do you not understand what you have? What we, as women, have? Kali looked like Bindu had slapped her. Binji, are you crying? She looked at Alicia so helplessly, and Alicia looked so lost in response, that Bindu was struck by the fact that they had never seen her truly upset. No one ever had. How was that even possible? Her feelings had once been so huge. She'd had to work to breathe around them. Now, just how she'd felt about Oscar and Purnima, but about everything. How free her grandmother's stories had made her feel. How stifling her mother's rules had felt. The joy as she'd run into the ocean. The humiliation when Rupa, one of the actresses in Purnima, had accused her of stealing her earrings when Bindu wouldn't show the security guards the garland she'd hidden in her bag for Oscar because she'd known they'd laugh at her if they found it. It had all been huge. Her laughter, her tears, even her whispers. Everything loud inside her, powerful. And now she couldn't recognize her own raised voice? Ashish, Alicia and Kali had always teased her about having a flourish for the dramatic, but that they'd only witnessed the tip of her iceberg. Her iceberg had been swallowed up by the ocean. She'd been method acting a role as herself for 48 years. Lovely, lovely. She'd been method acting a role as herself for 48 years. I just love it. I love it. (laughs) Sonali, thank you so much. I literally cannot wait until we have our listeners read this book and send us feedback. And I can really begin to see and imagine all the different pieces of inspiration that you have had along the way to put together this wonderful story. Please let our listeners know where we can find your work, social media, websites, anything that you'd like to point out. Thank you so much, Renita. This has been such a joy and a pleasure. And it's always fabulous to talk to another Mumbai girl. I feel like I took a little trip home. All right. As for social media, you can find everything about me on sonalidev.com. All my social media contacts are in there. My newsletter sign up is in there. I don't really spam you a whole lot, but I send this thing I call the three R's which is a recipe, a recommendation, and a really bad joke (laughs) from my family group (laughs) chat. And uh, when you sign up, you get this little free e-booklet of recipes. So that's one way to keep in touch. I am most active on Instagram as far as social media goes. That's where you see my my life, my immigrant mom, writer, domestic goddess life happening. (laughs) But it's all there on sonalidev.com. 
Fantastic. Sonali, thank you so much. I can really resonate with the really bad jokes from the family chat. I think <laughs> yeah. we are all sort of <laughs> recipients of the same. And thank you. I too love the fact there's so much, I feel like there's so much more to talk about with a fellow Mumbaiite, Bombayite. I think one of the things that really struck out at me when, while I was reading your book, Vibrant Years, was when Ashi said, I'm a Bandra boy. I should know how to dance and, you know, things like that, you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was walking on the beach, actually, this past weekend. I was like, ah, you know, it's nice to read about Juhu Beach or references to Juhu Beach, you know, from this beach. But <laughs> Sonali, thank you so much for joining us today on The True Fiction Project. Here at The True Fiction Project, we are always looking for great stories that make for compelling fiction. So, if you have a great story or know somebody who does, or if you are a writer who would like to contribute, then please do get in touch with us at renita.com forward slash contact. Thank you for listening to The True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.